Top story of the day is Matt Rule's firing. It was inevitable. But here's my problem. And we see this a lot in college and to a certain extent in the pros as it played out here. But we see this oftentimes in college. In college, I understand the dynamics because buyouts can be tricky and finding the funding can sometimes be like how many times you want to go back to the well, right? You know, like at NC State, how many times does Wendell Murphy get hit up? Hey, like Wendell sees the phone and he sees the number and he goes, oh, they're probably looking for more money again so they can buy out a coach. Like there's only so many times you can go back to the well. When you're the owner of an NFL team, you've got the money. Okay. David Tepper bought the Panthers with straight cash, homie. So last year, when it was abundantly clear that Matt Rule was in over his head as an NFL coach and that he should just go back to college and rebuild another program that's in need of his services, I got a lot of pushback. Like, no, you got to give him more time. You know, the quarterback situation has to be figured out. And I'm thinking to myself, what about that guy after two seasons would give you any indication that they'll get any of that stuff right? Make the move. But they didn't. They brought him back. Patience, patience, patience. We're going to make some moves. Blah, 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 blah. And here we are five weeks into the season. They fired Matt Rule. What did you accomplish? What did you learn? You blew up yet another season when you could have started that rebuild this offseason. And that's the other part of this conversation that bothers me the most. What are you? What are the Carolina Panthers? What is their MO? What is their identity? What are they selling? When David Tepper took over, it was, oh, man, we got rid of the creepy old guy. Thank goodness. Here's this younger guy. He's ballsy. He literally has brass balls on his desk. He's got all this money. He's going to make a splash. Energized. He handled the Ron Rivera firing pretty well. You know, I mean, basically, Ron Rivera got like farewell speeches after farewell speeches. Okay. Makes total sense. And now they bring in Matt Rule. When they sold it, David Tepper, the owner, said, hey, what's a little bit of pain if you know that it's going to set up five to ten years of success? He sold you on a rebuild. Yet after year one, they got impatient with Teddy Bridgewater. And then they had a little bit of success early on with Sam Darnold at the beginning of the second season. And they tried to act like, well, wait a minute, we're a playoff team. And we're, this is this is what we're going to do. We're going to double down. Scott Fitterer, the general manager, is talking about, we want to be on in on every deal. They were making deals at the expense of their draft picks. Okay, well, if you are selling out to win now, well, then you clearly think you actually have a window to do something. How'd that pay off? So the Panthers have given up draft picks. They've gotten the quarterback situation wrong on multiple levels. And they're now, what, four years into the David Tepper era for the Carolina Panthers. And what do they have to show for it? A decline and nothing to look forward to. That's why Bank of America Stadium looked the way that it did. That's why, you know, it's funny. David Tepper gets positioned as, what, a Steelers guy, right? Mm-hmm. The Steelers, he was a minority owner. There. He was a minority owner. And, Investor, there, yeah. and there was this attitude, you know, there's this attitude of, well, you know, maybe he's showing patience with Matt Rule because the Steelers always showed patience with their coaches, the ups and the downs and everything else. Okay, I got that angle. But here's the difference between the Steelers and an organization like the Panthers. 
history. How old are the Steelers? As old as the as the league. You have generations of families that are Steelers fans, right? Along with the success that's come along with the Steelers Super Bowls. Like, there's a built-in fan base, and even in the lean years, there's still an engagement with the product. The Panthers, even though they've been around since 1995, are still kind of new, if you will. And they're in an area that hasn't completely bought in with the Panthers because their success has been in pockets. You had the Jake DeLome era. Fine. You got to a Super Bowl. Didn't win it. You had the Cam Newton era, which was needlessly controversial for whatever reasons. They get to a Super Bowl, but then that flamed out. The fact that they made back-to-back playoffs with Ron Rivera was a big deal. That was, and he even touted it too, right? Yeah, never had consecutive winning seasons. They never had consecutive winning seasons, all that stuff, right? So, in a lot of ways, there's been no real built-in fan base for the Panthers, and there's no incentive to stick around, and that's why you saw what you saw on Sunday at Bank of America Stadium. And Tepper doesn't seem to, or maybe he gets it now, but there's no loyalty to the Panthers. There's no reason to be loyal to the Panthers. There's not generations of Panthers fans that have grown up. There is no you know, NFL films that is baked into your brain at a young age because your parents break out the VHS tapes and things like that. So I don't know what David Tepper was expecting with people sticking around, but it's all very transactional right now, just like David Tepper and the Rock Hill thing too. Very transactional. It's not working out for me. Well, then I'm getting out. And if you're not going to be, if you're not going to give something, if you're not going to give people a reason to invest, Again, you're going to get what you saw on Sunday, and it's not going to fix itself anytime soon. It's going to take sustained winning, like we've seen with the Carolina Panthers. It's going to take years of sustained winning to get people Canes. to buy in. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, with the Canes. Here's the good news, and you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Matt Rule was just kind of outcoached by everybody. There's not like this unbelievable talent gap between the Panthers and the rest of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yes, they have big issues at quarterback. They have big issues at play caller. But again, you can hire the right play caller with the next coach, or it could be the next coach, and you can make a quarterback better. Or, you know, do the right thing here. Like I said back in June, quiet tank this thing. Yeah. Get C.J. Stroud and give yourself a chance at a generational quarterback. That's the way to go about this in the best possible way. The th- The problem with the Rivera era was they were good one year, bad the next. Good year, good Good than not good enough. Yeah, they never they like the Canes. They were never able to draft at the top the way that they were when they got Cam Newton, and they were able to make some of the plays they were. So David Tepper's coming to the podium. Um, we'll go ahead and play some of this right now before we go to the break. Here's David Tepper, owner of the Carolina Panthers, addressing the media after they fired Matt Rule today. Had a conversation with the coach this morning. It was short, cordial. He's a gentleman, a true gentleman. Um, I then had a conversation with Steve Wilkes and uh, named him Andrew coach and had that conversation. And, um, and uh, with that, uh, I'll take questions. We'll start with Darren. Dave, you talked before about wanting to build a long-term sustainable winner. Ultimately, why did you choose to make this decision today as opposed to at any point previously like this offseason? Look, there's uh, numerous reasons why you'd make a decision like that. Ultimately, I felt this was a time. Now was the time. Good job. Dave, Matt has expressed at various times, as you have, uh, trying to find a quarterback, find, trying to find a franchise quarterback. It appears that search is still ongoing. How much of that responsibility do you bear? 
Look, ultimately, um, I'm the head of the organization, and ultimately, I always respect uh, responsibility. I'm not the people. I'm not the person that makes those decisions. I'm brought into those decisions. Um, listen, we will find, and we and we may have that person right now, but I believe we will have that person eventually. Uh, going forward to find the next head coach, assuming that you'll leave that, will Scott be part of that? Will Drum be part of that? What will that process look like? Listen. We're far away from that right now. Right now, we just we have a lot of season left. I'd rather talk about the season left right now. Steve Wilkes is a coach. Um, there's a lot of season left, and we'll see how the season goes. Um, ultimately, he's you know in a position to be in consideration for that position. I had a talk with Steve. No promises were made, and uh, but obviously, if he does an incredible job, he's have to be in consideration for that. David Tepper, owner of the Carolina Panthers, addressing the media right now. We're going to go to a quick break. We'll bring you some more of this conversation. Matt Rule got fired today. Should have done it at the end of last season. Five games into this season, we didn't learn anything new about Matt Rule and where things were headed. So they finally decided to do it. David Tepper's addressing the media right now. We'll go back to that here in a second, but I did want to point out one early question from our friend Darren Gann of Panthers.com. He asked David Tepper, hey, what went into the decision to do this today rather than doing this last year in the offseason? Which I think is a good question. I think it's an important question because that gives David Tepper an opportunity to explain, look, here's why we thought it was worth bringing him back. We saw these measurables. We felt things could go in the right direction. If X, Y, Z occurs, here's David Tepper's response. Look, there's uh, numerous reasons why you make a decision like that. Ultimately, I felt this was a time. Okay. That's all? That's all you got for me? That gives me no information. It basically, just leads me to believe you just didn't want to pay him a bunch of money last year to go away. Uh, so you thought, hey, maybe it'll work out this year. I'm also, I still got to pay him. I'm also still stuck on his answer about when asked about the quarterback situation where he said, we might have that quarterback here now. David, Oh no, you don't. Yeah. Just so you know, you don't. Y- you don't have him. It's not Matt Corral. It's not Sam Darnold. It's not Baker Mayfield. It's not P.J. Walker. Let's go back to David Tepper's press conference, which is in progress right now at Bank of America Stadium as Matt Rule gets fired today and the owner is addressing the media. To maybe get ahead of next year and, and make some moves? Listen, um, we're always thinking about what moves should be made, and uh, at this point in time, it's, you know, it's a little premature to answer that question. I think we talked to you in the offseason. You had the full support of Matt in the offseason, understandably, at that time. What did you see in him at that point that did not happen in the regular season that you thought that he could get the job done to give him another another year? Um, I thought flexibility in, in, in the staff and trying to upgrade the uh, the coaching staff at that point in time and having that sort of flexibility to see how that all worked out. Um, again, I think there's been some improvements. There are always some improvements, but not enough. And we're obviously not getting over the hump. So... You know, that's the bottom line. 
I think a balance is probably more appropriate between the head coach and the GM, a better balance. Hi. Uh, you've mentioned the phrase getting over the hump several times. What does that look like to you? And it's, it's winning. Winning. Winning more this year than you did last year. Have the appearance of winning more than you did last year. Looking like you're going to win more than you did last year. You know, by that definition, you know, I don't think we're over the hump. Uh, we started off one of four this year. We, you know, had five wins the last two seasons. We, you know, had a different lack of success in other seasons. So we have to we have to somehow change that culture. See how we can change that culture and, and try to win. And whatever that takes, we're going to try to find that. David Tepper, owner of the Carolina Panthers, addressing the media today after Matt Rule got fired. Steve Wilkes was elevated to interim head coach. Let's get back to it. something advantageous about having a GM and a head coach both coming at the same time together? Um, you know, it's a little premature to ask those questions. You know, um, Scott is our GM. There's no, no thought of mine right now. Right now, uh, my focus is 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 uh, is Wilkes and helping him have success in the new role. Dave, you hired Matt Rule about 33 months ago. What have you learned about building a winning and sustaining sustainable product in that time period from then to now? Listen, I think that. Um, you know, I think that as an organization, we have to maintain patience in roster building and, and different positions. And just a little bit more patience would be good And remembering all the time that we are in a limited resource business. We have the same amount of money to spend as the next team. Nobody has more, nobody has less. We have the same amount of draft picks as the next team. Nobody has more, nobody has less. We have to make sure we use that as, you know, as best we can. And, really, really consider that and strategically think about it. Joe, have you, how do you kind of reconcile the patience uh, message, though, when you see other teams around the league having success earlier with newish coaches and getting to the playoffs? You know, it's funny. I get asked, you know, you just asked that question of being too patient, and somebody says you're not patient enough, and I said it's, you know, it's like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Um, and that's kind of, you know, where I am. You know, where I am. You have to show enough patience to see how things work out. And then ultimately, are you getting over the – are you winning enough? I mean, that's the – the bottom line here is the bottom line. Unfortunately, that fortunately or unfortunately, that's the way it is. Fans care about you winning, you know. And, and quite frankly, that's why we're all here. We're not in here to do anything but try to win games. And if we're not winning games – is there something else that matters? And look, I mean, you have to be patient enough to see what develops and how it develops to see to give things enough time. And that was you're saying, did you give it too much time? Other person just asked, did you give it enough time? You know, so um, yeah, I think it's it's a balancing act, and I you know I try to you know balance it both ways. 
David Tepper, owner of the Carolina Panthers, addressing the media. Matt Rule fired today after two seasons and five games. Steve Wilkes elevated to interim head coach. We'll get back to his answers. One way or another, but um, listen, it's probably in a lot of th- in a lot of things in this game. It probably probably might make more sense to be more conforming in some ways. On the other hand, look, it's it's about taking chances and taking risks sometimes in life. Sometimes you you know things work out. Sometimes you learn from those risks. So if you don't take chances, don't take risks. You don't win, usually. Okay. So I'm not gonna. I'm not going to, you know, any individual risk we take in the field, depending if it's smart, the smart risk and, and not smart risk. So, um, and you learn. So, look, I mean, just in general, and I'll say this, this is, you know, four years in this business, two years during COVID. Um, <laughs> I'm still learning, uh, quite frankly. I, you know, we had dinner with some owner. They've been, their family's been in the business for 40 years. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be humble enough to say that, it's a big difference from being in a seat of a fan or being up here, and you're trying to balance. You, you just gave the question about patience both ways. You try to balance that and try to learn from your mistakes, and hopefully we're smart enough to do that. That's David Tepper, you, you think- owner of the Carolina Panthers, addressing the media today, and um, I'll just go ahead and say that was probably his best answer of the press conference. He's learning on the job. That's actually one of the first things he should have said at the beginning of the press conference, not towards you know the end 20-some-odd minutes there into the presser. It's the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Obius because that's the thing that I've been most bothered by by the Carolina Panthers under David Tepper. Mixed messaging. You heard it right there. He talked about patience. You know, Patience for rebuilding a roster. Okay, cool. I think fans can understand that the end of the Ron Rivera era Moving on from Cam Newton, bringing in Teddy Bridgewater to get you to the next guy with a three-year contract made sense. Draft somebody, let him sit, let Teddy Bridgewater do what Teddy Bridgewater does, good backup, middle-of-the-road quarterback. Instead, he was used as a scapegoat. He was used as the guy to point at, well, this is why it didn't work out. We didn't get the quarterback right. You didn't get the quarterback right, or did you not get the offensive coordinator right? That's an important distinction. Joe Brady, as we come to find out, what was Joe Brady doing exactly as the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers when Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback? It's my understanding that Joe Brady at LSU was the passing game coordinator and did not call the plays for LSU. Mm -hmm. Now, there were concepts that he introduced to the offense, but Steve Emsinger is the one who called the plays, ran the practices. So Joe Brady gets to the Panthers. He's never run a practice before as the play caller. And they weren't spending enough time on the two-minute and red zone offenses. Because in the NFL, that's where you make your money. At the end of the half, the end of the game, and inside the 20s. And if you're not spending any time on those two very important things, anybody can move between the 20s. Anybody. But where where the difference where you see in this league, and that's the real attention to detail, that Mm -hmm. was the real lacking part for me with the Panthers. And I don't know what Ben McAdoo's doing. He obviously has experience as an NFL head coach. But those early years with Brady, you, you just they weren't prepared at the most important spot. This morning, David Tepper, owner of the Carolina Panthers, just met with the media. In some instances, he was a guy who didn't have a lot to say. Uh, and in other instances, he took some culpability and said, look, this is a learning process for me, too. 
four years into being an NFL owner and understanding patience and strategy and getting the quarterback right and everything else. I'll be curious to see what direction they go in the rest of the season with Steve Wilkes, former defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, now elevated to interim head coach. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, CBS Sports NFL Insider, Jonathan Jones. JJ, what's up, man? Wow, that was a heck of a press conference there from David Tepper, huh? Yeah, you know, on you know, shout out to our, our our colleague Darren Gant for asking him the first question, saying, "Hey, man, so why the decision now to fire Matt Rule rather than at the end of last season going into the off season?" I think Darren was trying to give David Tepper an opportunity to say, "Hey, look, here's what we had seen in two years. This was our plan going forward based on these measurables." We thought it made sense for Matt Rule to get another opportunity. Instead, it was just, yeah, a lot of factors go into that, and now is the time. Okay, thanks for nothing then. Like, So why why did it play out this way in Charlotte? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, yeah. obviously Matt Rule was not, was not winning, and I don't, we don't have to go over it over and over, but he would offer a, a few tidbits, David Tepper would, throughout this press conference before he would sort of crawl back into the, I'm not giving out any answers. And one of them was, yeah, there should probably be a better balance between the head coach and general manager. He also said that this is a limited resource business. And what he meant by that was this is a salary cap league, a hard salary cap. You can only get so many draft picks. And we know that this team, you know, they have two quarterbacks on the roster right now, both of them injured, both of them on their fifth-year option. Mm -hmm. They only have four draft picks uh, coming up in 2023 because – they went out and got some players when they thought they were just a couple players away from competing. When Joe, you and I, and, and everybody who was watching this team knew that they were not a couple of players from contending mm-hmm. and actually winning in the NFC South and whatnot. So uh, he seemed to be leaving that at the doorstep of Matt Rule. Ultimately, as we all know, you can't win in this league without a quarterback. They haven't had consistent quarterback play. They threw a bunch of resources at it. And so why now and not? Uh, let's say at the end of last year, it seems like David Tepper was trying to exercise patience in the one area in this sports ownership realm that that that's the only place he's exercised patience is on his NFL head coach, not the team president, not on a, a football facility, right? And uh, he probably should have done it at the end of last year. He thought getting some new coaches in there would help. It obviously didn't, and now it's done. Jonathan Jones, CBS, joining us here on the OG on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Matt Rule out in the middle of year three. Now Steve Wilkes in on an interim basis. Wilkes went 3-13 and 13 in the lone season he was given at Arizona. What what are some realistic chances for Wilkes here in, in his long-term prospects, Double J? Well, I mean, realistic. Mm-hmm. It's extremely difficult for any coach to win – uh, with this quarterback situation that they have right now. First of all, look at their opponents that they have coming up. They have the, the Rams defending Super Bowl champs. They're struggling, but they're desperate. Then they have the Buccaneers, uh, and then they're going to get a, a very feisty Falcons team uh, and a defense that just held the Bucks to, like, 21 points yesterday. So those are their next three opponents. They may be playing those opponents with P.J. Walker at quarterback because of Sam Darnold's high ankle sprain and because of Baker Mayfield's high ankle sprain. And so now that's the immediate. The difficult part for Steve Wilkes, you know, he was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals for one year. They went 3-13 and when they drafted Josh Rosen, even though he didn't really want him. 
They had Sam Bradford there, the corpse of Sam Bradford out there. He had an arranged marriage with his offensive coordinator, essentially told who his OC was going to be. His general manager wasn't in Arizona at the time because he was uh, serving a suspension uh, for a DUI. And so all the deck was stacked against Steve Wilkes. He won three games in year one, also made some mistakes himself, and then he got the boot. So now this is his other opportunity if you can call it that. But if you're Steve Wilkes, you have to take this opportunity. You have to make the most of it. And so that's what he's going to try to do. But if anyone is expecting this team to turn it around and be, you know, this, this, this team that people will make a Disney movie about 15 years from now, that's hard to think. Jonathan Jones, CBS Sports NFL Insider, joining us here on the OG. So we, we get back to draft capital, right? Resource-limited business, as David Tepper said in this press conference. If you're going to rebuild it, right, maybe you strip the Panthers for parts of this roster. The problem is, what what's the market for Christian McCaffrey right now? What What is the market for somebody like Robbie Anderson? I mean, are we talking about eating salary in order to get some draft picks in return? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's absolutely what it would be. And again, what 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 David Tepper ultimately thinks about this team and what the plan for this team in 2023 and beyond will be, you are going to find that out here in the next two and a half three weeks. So the trade deadline is around Halloween. There are teams that even before the events of today were sniffing around the Panthers. Hey, you know how about? Uh, Brian Burns, how about DJ Moore? You guys aren't going anywhere quickly. So I'm looking at their at four of their most recent first-round picks. You're not going to move Vicky Aquano. You're not going to move J.C. Horn, even if you wanted to because of salary cap purposes, and they don't want to. You're looking at Christian McCaffrey, uh, a guy who you probably have to eat some of this year, uh, but go ahead and give it to the next team uh, for some draft pick. You're looking at a Brian Burns, uh, a Pro Bowl defensive end that you haven't yet paid. Uh, but who will be paid this next offseason. Derek Brown finally starting to play at a Pro Bowl caliber level at defensive tackle. And D.J. Moore, uh, a wide receiver that you could get a pretty penny for in the trade market because you already have him locked into that second contract right before the market really spiked on those guys. So those are four players. I don't necessarily believe that they're going to move all four players. In fact, I don't know if they're going to move any of them. But if they move one or two of those guys, it tells you something about the Panthers, that this that they're about to hit another reset, and it's going to be a hard reset, and that 2023 may be uh, as difficult a year as they have had in recent years, and we all know they've had some difficult years. Jonathan Jones covers the NFL for CBS. So I know I'm asking you to look into the crystal ball, but Mike McDaniel, Brian Dayball, quick success with their new teams. Both are considered play callers. Both are considered guys who help their quarterback. Who in the NFL circles right now, who is the, who are the assistants out there who could do the same thing for the Panthers? Yeah, well, and, and David Tepper was right, and I think that we all need to be extremely fair to Steve Wilkes, who, you know, I just listed off the reasons why it's going to be difficult for him to win, but that doesn't mean that he's not a head coach uh, caliber right? It's not like he may not deserve to be the head coach of the Carolina Panthers moving forward. But when you're the interim coach and you take over after five games and these are your prospects, yeah, the the, the results that we are all expecting are going to make it very difficult for him to ultimately get the permanent job. But we do have to respect that. Now, if you're talking about beyond that, who are the guys out there that if it doesn't go to the interim, well, 
listen, feast your eyes on Sean Payton. Uh, you know, oh, David Tepper, I believe, on, is, is going to be very interested in Sean Payton. He's the second richest owner in the NFL. Matt Rule is going to get a college football job, and some of that money that is owed to him will be offset by that job. But even still, he's owed $40 million. You're talking about a guy who's worth like 12 or $13 billion. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter. Okay, you're asking about assistance. I'll name you a couple. D'Amico Ryan, defensive coordinator of the 49ers. The Carolina Panthers just found out all about D'Amico yeah. Ryan yeah. yesterday. They should, have, they should have hired him right there on the spot yesterday, honestly. Jeez. <laughs> uh, another guy is Thomas Brown. He is, uh, he's been an assistant coach with the L.A. Rams, former running back at Georgia, been working his way up. Uh, he is not the offensive coordinator with the L.A. Rams, but he is heavily involved in the run game with the Rams and Sean McVay. So all those dudes with the Rams who have gotten jobs because yeah. they had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay, that's the guy. And so Panther fans, be on the lookout for him next week. There are plenty of others, but if we're talking about guys who are shooting to the top of my mind based off of who they just saw and who they will see, I think those are the two names that you should be paying attention to if I just keep it right there and in that sort of time frame just got a text from my mother it reads dad told me to text you that the carolina coach should be Deion sanders that's not that's not a name that that showed up in your list there jonathan um you know i think i think Deion's doing a great job at jackson state and uh if i'm not swack who's swack who's swack anyway no, I just this is my favorite time of the year, man. It's my favorite time of the year. Let's just start throwing names at the wall to see what sticks. Hey, you know, at this point, maybe, maybe it's Dave Doran. No, I'm kidding. That's not going to be the case. All right, <laughs> Jonathan, we appreciate the time, man. I know it's a busy day for you. We appreciate it. As always, we'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot, fellas. David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, in a, in a, I thought his best moment of this press conference said, look, I'm learning. I'm being absolutely sincere when I tell you that that is the best thing that he said because rich dudes have a tendency. Like, and when I say rich dudes, I mean like dudes with capital B billionaire in their name, which David Tepper is. And all you got to do is read any number of profiles on super rich billionaire dudes. And they think, well, I made all my money doing this. I can do anything I want. I'll figure this out, and I'll do this. I mean, all I got to do is point out Elon Musk, who had a couple of good ideas, and now thinks he can solve, you know, all sorts of geopolitical matters. It doesn't work that way, dude. You had Or Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook. Hey, man, you figured out how to sell our information. Congratulations under the guise of posting good photos. That doesn't mean that you're going to be good at everything else. You made your money this way. Congratulations. Keep it moving. So David Tepper is admitting, yeah, man, I I can be successful. And part of the job of being successful as a hedge fund manager was making mistakes and learning from those mistakes. And obviously, I made my billions that way. And I'm doing the same thing running an NFL team. I'm learning a little bit on the fly. One of the things he has not learned, though, in the last four years is how to not come across as small and not come across as a guy who has... How would you, and you've dealt with coaches like this in the past, specifically coaches, Julia, where they act like they don't read your stuff, but they very much do read your stuff. Like, I remember when Dave Doran, NC State head coach, with your yellow pad, looked at you and says, why don't you put that in your little notepad, right? Like, they read your stuff, even though they try to admit or try to tell you they don't, right? You you deal with that all the time. 
That can be a challenge. Yes. Yes. So here is David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, and Scott Fowler, the columnist for the Charlotte Observer, and this exchange that explains everything that I'm trying to tell you. Dave, this is just a timeline question, but did you wake up this morning and decide to do this? Did you know last night? I just wonder what your own decision process was here. <laughs> Scott, I read your column, okay? You know better, okay? Every every day, every, you know, this is an everyday thinking about things, how we can be better, what should, should we do, when is the right time, when's not the right time. And I said there's numerous factors that go into it. I answered that question before. You know, you there's a tipping point that gets reached. It just so happened we got to the tipping point. And I think you understand that, you know, I... I, I do, but you're, you're saying you're not very specific on what reasons were other than you didn't leave. I mean, was there is there something I'm missing other than that you're he's 11 and you want me to read you want, I can actually you know I, I shouldn't say that but I actually read your columns and I can go back to your columns and regurgitate them so you can read your own columns okay for that answer thank you thank you appreciate it thank you so that's David Tepper and Scott Fowler. I'm not going to tell you why. Just go back and read your columns. So what you're, are you saying that the reason why you fired Dave, Matt Rule is because you couldn't read any more Scott Fowler columns? Is that what it is? Like, I couldn't see this, but I, I read the column. And you know what? He, Scott Fowler makes good points, so I guess I should move on from him. Like, what am I going to hear next? Well, you know, I was driving into Bank of America Stadium on a Tuesday, and I was listening to Kyle Bailey do some sports talk. And, you know, this one caller said he had a, he had a really good point. Uh, what? Come on, man. This is another example of somebody who's not used to dealing with the media. Yes. Right? So he doesn't have any polish. He's probably not really, he's probably also not really used to dealing with people. Yeah. You know what I mean? What did we, what did we decide? It was suppressed assets that he was distressed, distressed bonds, bonds and assets yes. that he was, yes. his calling. So you could read a spreadsheet. Yeah. Math, and you, man. And, and you can, you can find a, a trend, mm -hmm. right? Buy something low basically is the premise. See if you could sell it high. Yeah. And that's how he made his billions with a B. But obviously, the way that he has dealt with the team and now the way that he deals with the media, you realize he doesn't have polish mm -mm. and he can't think on his feet. Like, all all he was being asked was, well, why now? Yeah. Why not at the end of the last year? And give some examples. It's, he can't. I, I can give you a bunch. He can't. I can give you a bunch. Yeah. So, but you, this is like, this is media 101, though. You're going to be asked, like, hey, Somebody on the Panthers PR staff needs to say, okay, these are the questions you're going to be asked. Mm -hmm. What are your answers just so you're prepared and ready to go? Mm -hmm. The answer is not go read your own column. <laughs> that That's not an acceptable answer. It's the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovius. If you missed anything from today's show, check it out on the best of the OG podcast. Also check, check out pack therapy because we all know Wolfpack ain't for soft people, which is why there's pack therapy. Hosted by Joe Giglio and Mike Lennon. It's brought to you by Packer Wolves NIL Collective, empowering Wolfpack athletes, engaging Wolfpack fans. So while the main focus of today is on the firing of Matt Rule, there was important college football on Saturday, both for NC State and for North Carolina. Since we brought up Pack of Wolves and the, or Pack Therapy, specific to Devin Leary, quarterback for NC State, who was hurt in Saturday's win over Florida State there late in the third quarter. Dave Dorn, head coach of the Wolfpack, addressed the media today, and here's his update on Devin Leary. Your quarterback is never good. Um, 
good news is his shoulder is good. Um, all the images were positive. It's a rehabable injury, and that starts immediately. It's a day-to-day -day thing. Um, he was fortunate. You know, a lot of times when you see a quarterback get hit while they're throwing, it, it can be damaging, and, and this was not that. So Devin's super tough, and he'll grind. Uh, there isn't a timeline. Could be this week. Could be six weeks. It's really going to come down to how he recovers. And so we're excited that the news was what it was. So that's Dave Dorn on an update with Devin Leary. Although, Julio, you're saying that, look, day-to-day, -day, they could be optimistic. It's clear. They got games against Syracuse. They got an open date. They got uh, Virginia Tech on the slate. These are things that you think NC State's going to try to get through without Devin Leary? I think it makes the most sense. You go to Syracuse this week, and that's not to shortchange Syracuse, but I don't think Devin's going to be ready to play on Saturday. You get the next Saturday is open. It's mm -hmm. off. Then you have, on, on October 27th, you get Virginia Tech, who is the worst team in the ACC, on your home field. That's a game you can win without Devin Leary if he's not healed by then. Yeah. Then you get back to the interesting portion of NC State's schedule. And really, if we're being honest, there's only two games left on NC State's schedule That's that it. anyone is going to care about. It's Wake Forest. Wake Forest at home on November 5th, mm -hmm. at Carolina on Friday, November 25th. Yeah, we're now, working that day. We're working now. Black now we Friday. went into this season potentially thinking, you know, Carolina's going to have a chance to spoil NC State's ACC championship hopes. Well, after Carolina beat Miami on Saturday, I'm here to tell you, it's going to be the shoe on the other foot. It's going to be NC State that has the chance to spoil Carolina's ACC hopes on the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, NC State, you know, even if they get Devin Leary back ahead of the Wake Forest game, I'm based on what I've seen out of the Wolfpack so far, they do not have the offensive firepower to keep up with Wake Forest if things get into a track meet, which is entirely possible with Wake Forest and how they run their offense with Sam with uh Sam Hartman. So many Sams. You wanted uh, a Howl, you Howell, wanted a Darnold. Yeah, yeah, all all the Sams, right? But here's where I'm optimistic about the Wolfpack. In the same way that I was optimistic with North Carolina and the Coastal Division, in that they have enough. When you look at the rest of their schedule and you look at North Carolina's offense, if they can be aggressive, which is what they were against Miami early on, and just pray that the defense can give you some spots of 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 stepping up, right? And there was a goal line stand that was key for North Carolina against Miami over the weekend. Then your season can end up in the Coastal Division championship, right? I say the same thing about NC State when it comes to their defense. I The offense is what it is for NC State. I, I know I've been kind of pounding the table on that, and people want to like get on Tim Beck, and they want to get on whether or not Devin Leary is good or not at the wide receivers. The offense is what it is. I think the I think the offensive line has regressed, and clearly we know that Emeka Mizzi is not walking through that door. Corin Robinson is not riding the Dolphin to Carter-Finley Stadium. Torrey Holt, you know, he doesn't have any more eligibility left or any of that stuff. They don't have... Thayer Thomas is great, okay? The dude grinds, but Thayer Thomas is probably the complimentary receiver that feasts when you have a dangerous 50-50 jump ball guy like Amizi could be at times last year. State doesn't have that. They're not going to have that, and that has all led to a breakdown in how their offense works. But to me, the biggest story on Saturday was in the first half with their defense. That defense wasn't out there hitting the way we know they can hit. That defense was a little slower footed than we've seen in the past, and Florida State took advantage of that. Second half comes around, and it completely changes the the nature of the game. Again, they got back out there. They were hitting again. They were they were making a difference. And this is when we get into the Bailey Hockman protocol. 
because we saw this in 2020. And one thing that you said a couple of weeks ago, Julio, as it relates to Tim Beck and, and fans that get on him about not being creative, what are you doing? Well, you always said in 2020 that was one of his more creative years, right? Yep. Well, what's the consistency here now? You're going to have a quarterback who's not necessarily a downfield passer, but he is mobile. And I thought Jack Chambers came in, and well, what a great story. Yeah. You know, Charleston Southern, he was his conference's player of the year last year, and decides at 25 to transfer in NC State. You're going, oh, okay, okay cool. Yeah, but he's a walk-on. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. So we'll see what he can do. Don't forget MJ Morris is their quarterback of the future. I wouldn't be surprised if he got some reps too.